I am Jenna Shapoudis, and this is Immunize Wisely. Uh, Kevin McCarran and Lynn Artell are my guests, and I grabbed a clip from a recent Catherine Watt interview on Z Media. It was uncensored. Catherine Watt, are they planning Marburg in 2024? U.S. government raises alarm. And so if the board op would begin, that would be great. countermeasures because there may be people watching that didn't catch our first interview talk to us about that word countermeasures and what it actually means when they use it well when they use it it actually means weapons or poisons because it means completely unregulated unmonitored chemical and biological products that are inserted into interstate commerce that don't have to have any um, valid clinical trial data supporting their safety or efficacy don't have to have any compliance with good manufacturing practices, don't have to comply with any normal pharmaceutical labeling. They don't, they aren't subjected to any kind of um, monitoring or quality testing for purity and non-adulteration. Um, it's really a, a catch-all category of products meant to make things that are weapons appear to be medicinal products so that people will take them without questioning what they're being given. And yes, I agree with you. And I know that you've uh, focused a lot on uh, on the U.S. government um, and their, you know, key responsibility in this. Um, from your view, are, are these people the main ones that need to be held accountable? U.S. government people? Mm. Is that the question? Yes. Um, I think the top of the hierarchy is the highest level administrators in the Department of Health and Human Services, so the HHS secretary, Javier Pachera, and the handful of people uh, just under him, the defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, and the handful of people in the upper upper ranks of the military leadership, and also their counterparts at the World Health Organization and the United Nations. Because as far as I can tell, it is basically a joint project between the UN World Health Organization and the United States military public health complex um, that are running the whole program and that know exactly what they are doing, why they're doing it, who they're doing it for, what the goals are. And then they can silo the information so that people lower down know or don't know, depending on what level they're at. Although as time goes by, and I think I said this the last time, as time goes by, more and more people who are lower down know exactly what's happening because they know how far outside the norm the procedures are that they've been participating in so far. I have to agree with you at this point. If you're not aware, then I mean, I, I don't I, I don't know how you could excuse everything that's going on if you're working within one of these agencies. Uh, you bring up the UN and the WHO viewers of this broadcast. You know, I've been harping on about these organisations from the beginning. Uh, really, you know, I don't think they're the top of the top of the food chain. Uh, these are the these but these are the public fronts uh, and right. essentially the ones who are pulling the strings of governments. This is your shadow government. 
Uh, and so, um, you know, I asked you about, you know, what's going on with the with the IHR and how this all relates. Um, and and I really loved your response, which was, I don't focus too much on the details other than we need to leave them. Um, but in order to understand right. why we need to leave them, we need to understand those links. And so what? how have you come to the conclusion of the involvement of the WHO and the UN in all of this? I came to that through the the January 2022 podcast with Todd Callender, who mentioned the World Health Organization IHR 2005 revisions as being the sort of legal source that drove very important changes in U.S. domestic law, that then when those laws have been implemented and we've been able to see them through covid um, it becomes clear that a coup has actually already happened. It's come in through the public health military structures. And because it is done so much with the law, with international law and with domestic law, the only way to get out of the kill box is to withdraw from the treaties that transferred power in these ways and repeal the domestic laws that also transferred powers in these ways. The domestic laws transferred power from our Congress and our president and our courts and our states into the hands of the HHS secretary and the international laws um, sort of required those, those changes in domestic law. And as far as I can tell, placed the HHS secretary sort of as an administrator for the UN who's just working in the United States, running the UN programs out of the HHS offices. Yeah, and, and it extends beyond health, um, you know. Okay, <clears throat> we'll just cut it there because we we are starting to understand this framework and proving what it is, like the, there's logistics within law and I love that Catherine Watt is uh, using her abilities to identify how to re repeal, repeal these laws. So um, do either of you want, uh, Lynn, do you have a comment? No. Okay. Uh, Kevin, do you have a comment? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I, I, I think um, people, people need to look very, very closely at what's happened over the last four years. And I would put forward the premise that this was the culmination of decades of planning um, that probably, well, it's, if you want to bring in eugenicists, it goes back even further. But in this instance, as, um, as transnational groups began to coalesce around the uh, post-Second World War environment, we, we had this um, push by individuals like Henry Kissinger, Club of Rome, to think about um, carrying capacity for the planet. And they were convinced that there was an upper limit to how many human beings were capable of being supported by food supplies, um, infrastructure, etc. And they set about 
putting into place a policy where you where they would have a raison d'etre for management of populations. Now, I I've tried to avoid stepping into the depopulation um, space as a consequence of what happened over the last four years, but because of our ability to analyze molecular structures, genomes, what we're now beginning to understand about the pathogen and the gene transfection intervention, the medical countermeasures, there are molecular properties in there that have very desirable properties for people that would want to manage populations at a very specific level. And if you listen to these people talking, what they say is when it comes time to manage the population into a managed decline, meaning decline in numbers, you need a way to do that that is, um, doesn't alert essentially the people who are on the uh, are going to be removed from the gene pool and they make allusions to it being egalitarian now the way that you would do that there are very um, specific disease mechanisms and one of those and the primary one which I'm focusing on is the ability to induce what's called transmissible spongy form encephalopathies. Now, most people would know these by uh, the mad cow outbreak in the United Kingdom, and now what is an exponentially increasing problem in the United States, which is something called chronic wasting disease. And these agents, or, or the pathological um, infective agent in these disorders, is essentially a um, misfolded, what we call protease resistance, resistant, meaning it doesn't break down um, through normal enzymatic process. And they are highly resistive to um, normal methods that most people would have for removing them. So most pathogens are removed from uh, meats by cooking. You can't cook away prions if you're going to be eating it. And it's if you look at the molecular biology of the SARS spike protein and the vaccines, they both contain what, what we, what's technically called a cross-seeding amyloidogenic um, peptide or epitope. And there are a number of what we would call amyloidogenic peptides um, People would um, know amyloid, perhaps, with its association with Alzheimer's. Um, there's also a uh, protein that um, misfolds in the case of Parkinson's disease. And then there are the proteins that misfold that form the transmissible spongy form encephalopathy classes, and in this case, the prion disease. And we now, since September, have de facto evidence that this epitope, exists on, I don't want to get too technical, but we generally de de divide 
the spike protein into what's called the S1 and the S2 segment. The S1 segment is essentially, you can think of it as like a cover for the, um, the functional part of the spike protein that draws the virus into the cell. And it gets what we call cleaved, which just means cut. And then that gets released into the extracellular matrix of the body and is free to travel where it wants. And that peptide is then capable of converting the prion protein into the disease form, the scrapey form. The fact that 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 is what's in circulation now, I think probably puts us into the managed decline. And the fact that it was done through... Uh, a vaccination program through which most people were subject to, that's them ticking the box for it being egalitarian. This reminds me, this reminds me very much of what RFK Jr. Uh, was sort of uh, lambasted for claiming that there were pathogens developed that were designed to target specific genetic groups. And yep. uh, he was roundly... Something I speak about constantly. So the first, the first original spike proteins that were identified around SARS-CoV-2, you can look at the, uh, what we would call affinity. So basically just think of it as the strength of magnetic attraction. And you can classify that by haplo, haplogroups. And what they found was that it was most, it had the strongest affinity, meaning the strongest binding for um, southern, southern European um, polymorphisms on the ACE2 receptor. Um, the area, the groups where it bound with the least strength um, was Ashkenazi Jews. Um, this this has been shown in the scientific literature multiple times, um, and you have to ask yourself why they kept insisting on including the genetic transcript for the original Wuhan spike for essentially two years after the uh, the release, and it had gone through adaptation slash mutation with respect to changes within the receptor binding motif that, that defined its ability to latch on to the ACE2 receptor associated with different racial groups. That's very interesting. See, now, I, I mean, you coming from a scientific background, familiar with being in a lab, we do have comments in the chat where it's like, has this been isolated in a Petri dish? And that has been the argument that the Tom Collins, the Andrew Kaufman, and there's like a whole group. The Baileys, yeah. Yeah. The, Sam yeah. Bailey, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I, I can um, address that concern very very quickly and that these people don't understand the cutting edge of where the technology lies and what they try to rely on and it's something that uh, was brought up earlier is that you have to use in silico representation um, algorithms to try to build back up 
the genomic sequencing once you're, when you're doing next generation sequencing. The technology has moved on. So now what they're able to do is essentially sequence the whole genome length. Um, it's called nanopore sequencing. And essentially what it does is break open the um, cell membrane or viral um, viral membrane, capsid, and the genetic material is then essentially free. It unwinds and then it essentially is threaded through a pore and they're able to read it amino acid by amino acid. And there's no, there's no um, algorithmic reconstruction required in this instance. It's just a, a ticker tape readout, if you like. Now, the problem that people like Cowan have is that that method concords very well with previous generations' um, analysis of this genetic material. And so their, um, their objection at this moment is moot. And we can find the, we can find the genomes for SARS-CoV-2 using nanopore sequencing. Now, you haven't identified that as the cause of the syndrome at all. You've just bypassed Koch's postulates for isolating and reproducing the symptoms from a, an identified organism. So you're basically throwing Koch's postulates out the window there, aren't you? No, not at all. So it's possible to take the... So there, there are a number of methods with how you do this. So... You find your pathogen of interest. You can even make it synthetically if you wanted to. And um, you can uh, basically piece together um, recombinant pieces of genome into a larger genome and have that expressed in an expression system to give you uh, essentially pure as uh, virions. And then you put them into a test platform, let's say a non-human primate, and then do you see if you get the disease? Once you get the disease, and so you again, you look for outward symptoms, and then um, because they're lab animals, you can um, necropsy them, meaning take out their tissue, and then we can do something called immunohistochemistry, where we can buy selectively bind to the proteins that we know would be expressed as a consequence of the genomic information that would have been integrated or passed into these test animals. Well, then you'll say, well, they've never done um, aerosol spread of these and um, transmission of these studies. Yes, they have. Um, there's a very interesting study that just came out of Korea where they've done it in dogs. And dogs are susceptible to SARS-CoV-2. And as an interesting aside, suddenly the Koreans have decided that um, they're no longer going to be allowing dogs into their food chain. There's a reason that they would make a, um, a decision like that with something that's so culturally ingrained, such as eating dogs. Sure. Um, they're, they're, they're every... Every point that people like Cowan, Kaufman, the Baileys make is easily refutable once you know the medical literature. The problem is, is that people want to listen to what is an easy, um, easy way of trying to dismiss the problem. 
But the problem you have is exponentially worse than a transmissible viral pathogen at this point because they've essentially weaponized prions. This has been a holy grail within the biowarfare um, research space. And it would appear that they've been able to do it. And now, everyone, it doesn't matter if you had the foresight to not take the vaccines. Prions build up in the environment. You can pick them up off the surfaces of materials. Plants take them up via their root stems and they get um, they travel to the leaves and fruiting bodies of the plants. This is, this is the operational level at which we need to be working right now. And when you're dealing with weaponized psychological operations on a mass scale, don't you think they would want to inject something like viruses aren't real so you don't go looking at their biowarfare programs? Which seems the more parsimonious answer in this instance? True. Yeah. I, I mean, that occurred to me as well. And speaking of Southern European uh, gene set, didn't you say your father was an Italian prisoner of World War II? My grandfather. Yeah. Your grandfather. So, and you just happened to get sick as well. Severely. The There are a number of countries where... Um, there were higher than, well, again, it's um, a lot is dependent upon infrastructure, etc. But the, um, the southern Mediterranean countries um, were hit very hard as the um, pathogen began to um, appear across the planet. Italy, Greece, um, the Balkans, um, one thing people don't know is that Russia was hit very hard. It had some of the highest um, all-cause mortality figures. You have to put that in the context of geopolitical events that we're seeing right now. You think it's, you think it's just a set of disparate events that suddenly we're seeing Europe lit up again by... Um, essentially industrial warfare, trench warfare, and it involves um, Russian people. We have paperwork which shows that um, the, in this instance, the U.S. Air Force was specifically putting out grant tenders um, in, I want to say it was 2016, where they were specifically asking for Slavic, Slavic samples of synovial fluid that had to be Russian, not Ukrainian. Why would you do that? Well, in this instance, when you're trying to run these programs, there will be people who will know that we'll be working on biowarfare programs, but you can convince them uh, in this instance, that, well, you're still working on an incapacitation agent. So you, um, so things like uh, inflammation within joints, oh, that's a fair target. You're not killing that person. You're just making it so they can't carry their weapon and their pack so that they can maintain um, combat operations in the field. But it's, it's worse than this. Because under that incapacitation label, 
we now have these long-term transmissible spongiform encephalopathies coming into the mix. These have a long lag time. We already have data which showed that there was a very large spike, relatively, in um, diagnosis of CJD after gene transfection was rolled out. This came from my colleague Luc Montagnier and Jean-Claude Perez. They showed a 250% increase in diagnoses of CJD. The onset of death after vaccine or gene transfection exposure to the, the fulminating Creutzfeldt-Jakob state was 11 days. Now, again, it, the numbers are relatively small in this instance, but in most cases, what you're dealing with is the, um, I, I think, the mass seeding, egalitarian seeding of these prion. You can almost think of these as, they, these are toxins in this instance. And the lead time essentially is decades. And we have this phenomenon now, which is only being understood in the public domain relatively recently, of cross-seeding amyloidogenesis, which means that not everyone is going to present with Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. There are a whole bunch of disorders above and below the neck that are associated with um, protein misfolding. This includes cancer. It includes diabetes, as well as the neurodegenerative disorders like Alzheimer's and um, prion, um, sorry, Parkinson's, um, ALS, etc. This is, this is the actual scope of what it is that you're dealing with. And if you were dealing with something so diabolical, again, wouldn't you want to amplify voices like Cowan, the Baileys, Kaufman, all these people that got um, ramped up in, alter in alternative media in populations that um, anyone who would be involved in war gaming and planning know that there's going to be people trying to get to the bottom of what it is that you're dealing with. And so if you can convince those people that there's nothing going on, great. You've taken out a large proportion of the uh, problematic population as you try to press forward with your agenda. And the simple fact is this. The, the job is done. They managed to put out, I want to say, over 13 billion vaccine shots and essentially exposed over 4 billion people to these um, prion-catalyzing epitopes. And now your environment is filling up with these peptides. I encourage everyone, go look at the wastewater detection for SARS. Well, what you're seeing is that it's the highest it's ever been. But the, the illness that we would associate with SARS initially is not really showing up in the, uh, in the all-cause mortality data. Again, it's neuro... I don't know, someone's got a mic open or uh, I can hear like a power, power tool going off. But the um, in this, um, what what 
where are we seeing that all cause excess mortality? Dementias, blood cancers, and cardiovascular events, which is precisely what you would expect to see after exposure to these amyloidogenic peptides. Okay, we have um, a question for Kevin. How does <clears throat> how do the one widespread identification of SARS-CoV-2 alpha strain via sequencing worldwide and to the most unlikely development of oh, okay, wait, I hear the music at the t- um, after the break I'll read the question and we'll take calls. the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pastures meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pasture-raised meats. And even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low-quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats. The kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republic and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork. Raised the way nature intended. 
Hello, hello, hello from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead Shilajee hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shilajee Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilajee as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilaji by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shilaji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shilaji has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. You're listening to Immunize Wisely with my two guests, Kevin McCain, McCarran and Lynn Ertel. Our chat room is Immunize Wisely with two Z's dot com. And we do have um, a couple of callers that have been waiting patiently to come on. I also want to read out because the technical issues for call-ins if you want to hear through your phone, dial 512-246-9549. Yes. Okay, great. So our call-in number, if you want to ask a question or have a comment for our guest on topic, you can call 512-248-8252, 8252 and we have Bob in Utah on live five. Do you have a question for um, Kevin or Lynn? Yes, I have a short statement and a question for McCairn. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. First of all, you start discussing genomics. Uh, this is not a fair fight. If you want to see a fair fight with Kevin, you, you go to Bitch Shoot and you watch him debate Mark Bailey, okay, and you can decide for yourself. And I'll leave it at that. Now, my question is that let's throw out all the molecular biology. Let's talk about Dennis Rancourt's new essay. Well, it's not that new, but it's getting all over the news now, where he shows with all-cause mortality and untamperable data, all-cause mortality, when you died, where you died, how old you were, no, no cause of death, just where you died. He showed that the virus... Uh, stopped at borders, particularly the Canadian border. How does Kevin explain a virus that knows how to obey the road signs? Uh, a couple of tropes there. So, yeah, I encourage everyone to go and watch the debate with Mark Bailey. Um, there was someone that, again, couldn't handle the cutting edge of science. He didn't know what nanopore sequencing was and basically tried to um, fall back on the... Answer the question... And I'll answer your question about Dennis Rancourt. 
Um, Dennis Rancor has raised important issues about vaccines, but he's wrong about um, viral pathogens. Um, the, we can look at the all-cause mortality and we can look globally and we can see that there are multiple countries that have massive spikes in all-cause mortality, particularly across South America, Russia, Iran. And he doesn't, he doesn't try to address those. What he does is he actually uses a large 12-month smoothing window that basically retro-causally grabs those deaths and applies them to um, what he's describing as vaccine deaths. His mathematics no, I'm not approaches. talking about... He runs away from debate with me. I'm not talking about vaccine. All-cause mortality only occurred prior to the vaccine in hospital protocol changes. It stopped abruptly at jurisdictions where there were no hospital protocol changes. I'm not interested in the vaccine at all. I know all about that, but I don't want to discuss that. I want to know how the, the deaths occurred only in one place in Italy and nowhere else around it. Why didn't it spread out concentrically? So, again, you have to remember that the... Um, as the they played out. Oh, you're not talking so fast now. Yeah, I'll, I'll answer your question. Okay, so as well as Italy, okay, it emerged in Iran, Russia, Greece. It then moved to Sweden, and the um, the initial spikes in all-cause mortality. Um, if and you can go back and look in the record now was that um, because of the measures they put in place, fomite spread diseases like influenza were cut dramatically. But SARS-CoV-2 is a highly resistant, um, aerosolized pathogen that is incredibly resistant, far more than other coronaviruses. So how did the vice, uh, a virus emerge in separate spots all over the world? Well, uh, there's no explanation for that other than it was declared a pandemic on that day by the World Health Organization. That's your emergence. We, 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 live, we, live, in a, we live in a world of air travel, sir. We live oh. in a world of, of yeah. mass, mass public movement. Okay? And you're also okay, so it only travels there wouldn't once spread you start out. looking at this as a bi-warfare event, you start to realize that, well... Um, you're very likely seeing seeding events take place as well. They attacked you. Oh, attacked you. Now, so now they dropped it from from a plane or from a helicopter. Bob, I'm sorry. We do have other calls stacking up. Yeah, I made my. Thanks a lot. Yeah, fuck off, you cunt. <laughs> oh, wait, this is family friendly, Kevin. I understand your sentiment. We're going to move on to James in Vancouver, line three. Um, Do we have? Yes. Hello. Yes, Hello, I'm James. here. Yes. Uh, yes, um, your guest, Kevin. I'm wondering uh, are you familiar with the term intercalation? Were you. No? Intercalation? Intercalation of what? We have low molecular weight uh, slipping into the DNA and then causing uh, changes in the uh, genetic information, which then um, 
have effects uh, that uh, manifest themselves. Well, okay, well, I'll so, um, yeah. So I'll give you an example of what we call. So, so we had things like called intercalating dyes. This is how we look for things like prions, in fact, and right, they right. will uh, and they will sit. Um, at certain points and cover a uh, number of bases or amino acids. And mm-hmm. um, in this instance, in terms of detection, we can um, look for things like fluorescence. So what you're looking for then is an enzyme that will cut the prions then. Conceivably, the DNA um, could create that. Uh, yes, yeah. but prions are what's called protease-resistant. Oh, they are? They, they, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Kelly. down with the enzymatic action. Ah, uh, okay. Thank you. I know. Okay, now we have um, Alan in Texas on 11. Yes. Um, I, I just wanted to call in and, and say um, thank you for this presentation. Um, it's just more information for me. I have a scientific background. Um, I was wanting to go into research. You know, I, my, my background is developmental biology, embryology, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, what you're talking about might be over a lot of people's heads. Um, I understand it to a point. Um, I did research for my professors, and I found out that the research, you know, field is not trustworthy because I did. I helped my my, my professors do research and. Research that I obtained using electron microscopes, you know, centrifuges, you know, whatever, you know, um, you know, uh, various equipment. You know, this is twenty, this is thirty years ago minimum. You know, maybe thirty to forty years ago, and and I was told by two of my professors, I saw research, I saw my the results that I obtained change in the research grants to, because, and I had two separate professors tell me it's like, well, sometimes we have to massage our data, you know, so the money keeps keeps rolling in, which, which is why I, I, I did not go any deeper into, into science, which I would have loved to do, but, I, but I'm a truthful, honest person, and I wanted to do honest research. Um, everything you've been talking about, I don't understand perfectly 100%, but I understand it at, at a core level, let's say that. You know, I was never pulled into the research field, you know, in, into the scientific field, you know, where, where, where everything depends on money and grants and everything else coming in. You know, and if you don't make your grant funders happy, you know, you don't exist anymore. You know, you, you lose those grants if, if you tell the truth. Um, I, I just wanted to call in. I'm not going to be controversial. I'm, I'm not going to jump on you about anything because you're just another source of information. But I've listened to you talk and, and everything you said, you know, do I agree with 100%? I can't say that because I'm not that deep into it. But I understand at a core level everything you're talking about. And, and you know what, guys, what, what scares the hell out of me is that we've been lied to on a grand scale, you know, whether it's a COVID vaccine or whatever it might be, the spread of it, you know, within, within like a week, you know, COVID was all across the planet. And I, I, I got channels out of, out of Africa and, and South America and everything, everything shut down, you know, within a week. And it's like, you know, they were telling us, you know, it's like, oh, it's deadly, you know, and I drove into town and I expected to see bodies laying in the middle of the street. I'd have to dodge. You know, it was all just crap. This is the point you tried to make earlier. You need to to understand that um, the ideal biological weapon is not meant to be immediately deadly. (laughs) Otherwise, it's not going to do its job. You want high transmissibility, high incapacitation, low lethality. 
which basically fits or, or, into or how, about, how about this? The, how, how about how about this? The psychological effect that it has on people. How many children that that, that that were that were made to wear masks? How many children are damaged for life because they were made to wear a mask and they were scared? The crap was scared out of them. How much psychological damage has has, has been done to this whole world with this COVID crap? Um, and, uh, enormous. Again, they attacked you. This was, yes. Every, everything, and this is something, this is a space I've had to step into reluctantly. I didn't want to be talking about this. I had to step out of what would have been my scientific career by trying to um, warn people about what it is that you're dealing with. They've learned yes. how to weaponize prions, okay? And they know how to do this through prion-catalyzing epitopes. You've just had a mass exposure. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you eat a deer that you know had chronic wasting disease? Well, hell no. You know, I, I don't shoot a deer that's stumbling around out in the pasture out here. Yes, I am a hunter. I've actually, I've actually got a baby deer that comes into my house. That, that's part of my family right now, you know. I, I raise her and, um, you know, no, you know, but 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 but, but the cycle, I, I, I know prions exist and all this stuff exists, but, but fear, fear is the main weapon that they're using against us, folks. And with, with that, I'll, I'll let some other callers come on and let you get on with the show. Thank you very much. Thanks, Alan. And we have Tom in Utah. Hi, Tom. I understand, Kevin. Did I understand, Kevin, that you said you had COVID? Yes. How did you? How did you get in? How did you get infected? Um, I was in. Korea in Daegu, like I said, at a super spreader event. How did, I, how did you get infected? Oh, how did you literally get infected? I, I would have to presume aerosol transmission, as has been demonstrated innumerable times um, with SARS, that is an aerosol uh, aerosolizable agent. It's one of it's one of the very few yeah, so viruses that is capable of aerosol transmission. Uh huh. What's the primary? Do you understand the difference? Do you understand the difference between aerosol transmission and um, droplet transmission? That's right, I do. Anyway, the, uh, the lady the that's difference? on you, the lady that's on with you, I'd like her to contact me. Is, is the other lady Lynn Ertel? Yeah, have 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 her talk to uh, Ingrid Newcastle. And, and she can get my phone number. I'd like to talk to her. Pa- pass me a. Could, could you pass me a link? Uh, a link on that, maybe an email <laughs> or something. No, I don't. I, I was an, a, a persona non grata in Washington D.C., so I've lost everything, including internet. The only connection I have with the world is through my phone, and I do have friends that are working my web pages for me. But if you go on to a web page called. Okay, we made it through the the callers, and now I do have a question. Oh, we do. 
Okay. Are are you guys up for more calls? Sure. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Charlie. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Uh, listen, I just wanted to explain uh, how uh, Omnicrom got started. For those who don't know, it was a, a black man in Africa who claimed he had COVID, and the, uh, when he went to be tested, the tech tested him and found that he came back negative. She tested him over again, found out he came back negative. And so she sent it to London, and they looked at it, and they thought about it, and they tried to figure out how somebody who was negative, who claimed to be negative, who claimed they were positive, could have COVID. And they couldn't figure it out. So they ran it to the computer. The computer couldn't figure it out. And so finally they asked the computer to generate a model or a disease from uh, which you could get you could get COVID but not have COVID symptoms. The computer ran for over a month and finally spit out this long, over 20,000 sequence chain of nonsense. And none of it makes any sense. There is no... There are no, there are no computer. It's all computerized virus bullcrap. There is no such thing. There's no COVID. There's no Omicron. It's all. And you listen. If you say you've looked at these sequences, are you trying to tell me you've looked at twenty, uh, twenty thousand or more long sequence of stuff? No. It's all being read by computer, and the computer is all garbage. There's no such thing. I hate to tell yeah, you, dude, you, you're wrong. What are, what are you using now to talk to me? What? What are you using now to talk to me? I'm using a telephone, it's, stupid. It's a computer-based What do you system. think I'm using? <laughs> well, what do you think I'm using? <laughs> and how are you able to talk to me? It's you must be. I hope garbage. you're using a telephone, you, too, you, unless you want, you're telepathic. You to, how, do, how, how, do, how do fly-by-wire planes stay in the air? How do they how have do no relationship to a computerized a virus? You're making the idea, the idea that computers your argument uh, is, makes no sense whatsoever. They do is it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. You're comparing apples and oranges, it doesn't have it make any sense. No, I'm not. It's just data. No, you are. Data Give me a break because we're talking data. over a telephone and it goes through the it transmits through the air. Now, let me tell you, yes, I do agree <laughs> that there is SARS COVID. <laughs> There was SARS COVID okay, too, okay, and they okay, did spray dude. it. Okay, dude. Um, okay. You, you, that I agree thinking, with you. With. Thinking, but that. there's no COVID nineteen. Period. It does, wait, it does bridge another question. What about the coincidences that the pathogens showed up where five G was being deployed? Okay, yeah, that's so, another um, thing. Yeah, Iran. Oh, I, okay, yeah, Iran I go with that. Have five G? It, it happened networks. because the five G okay. was what was making the people sick. Iran doesn't have 5G networks. Iran well, doesn't had have one to. of the it, highest... It, they didn't have COVID, highest. okay? You're testing some. They didn't have COVID. It's nonsense. Okay, okay. thank you you, you. you keep thinking computers are nonsense and can't do anything. It and, is nonsense. Uh, all this technology that you take for granted is um, uh, not a uh, reproducible phenomenon. I can't help you. It's not. Okay? It's not reproducible. Okay. No. Thanks, it's, it's, okay. four, it's a far different thing to claim that a pathogen has emerged in nature, or as you claim, they somehow magically synthesize it in the laboratory. It's not magic. On the one these hand, are, these are on very the other precise hand, sciences. to create a, a computer on a computer model in silico—that's <laughs> not—that's not solid science. There. 
No, you, 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 have, a, you have a pipeline, you have a pipeline of research, you have a pipeline of research, okay, where you do, you do a lot of stuff in silico to try to narrow down the uh, space within which you have to work, and then you and can go about systematically, yeah. systematically testing different epitopes, okay? And are you saying, are you saying to me, prions aren't real? Well, I, I, we don't know... <laughs> I don't know. I haven't studied. Oh, I read, eat, Stan I read Stanley Poisoner's paper. I read disease? Stanley. Did you ask me a question? You want an answer or what? See, uh, 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 are prions real or not? It's a yes or no answer. You didn't give a yes or no answer. So I I'm don't know ask you. Far was, what they went. The prions are nothing but what? Protein chains? A, a genetic sequence? It's a conformational change to a peptide that makes it protease resistant. It's essentially bioaccumulative within the soils. And there's a reason why your deer population now has an exponential rise in chronic wasting disease. It's correlated, but that doesn't mean that it's causation. So for you to say the prions are the cause of this. Well, we know, we know that they're a cause because we can, we we can do the experiments, we can do the experiments that prions. show this. We can, we can make, no. we can make. That hasn't been demonstrated at all. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Innumerable times, innumerable times from in vitro preparations to in vivo preparations. They can now, I was just doing this study the other week, okay, where they can put these prions into essentially the ground, have them be taken up by a plant. You can detect the prions in the plant, and then you can give prion disease to the animals that you feed the plants to. And prions I, I have, have to see that. I'd have to see that study myself. But it sounds to me like you're selling a biological weapon. It sounds. It really sounds to me doing. like you just have a problem with simple logic and understanding. No, you're selling a process. biological weapon narrative, and it's fear mongering. I think that's what no, you're It's not fear mongering at all. Okay. No. You, you want you you want to understand what these apex predators are doing? You don't think that these psychopaths would use these tools against you? And like I say, you can go round with your uh, head in the ground like an ostrich, but I can absolutely guarantee you that they're going to come behind and fuck you hard in the ass. The hospitals <laughs> were empty here. Hold on. Yeah, they no. generated panic. And, it, they and remember, we have to remember that these things aren't as immediate as a chemical warfare program. Now, Kevin did an eight-hour with Clint Richardson, who was a longtime RBN host. And I, and he's suffering at this point. If anyone recalls and remembering Clint Richardson talking about prions way back, and Patrick Jordan, they have been at this for quite a long time. I think Patrick Jordan even wrote some books on the subject. Kevin, I know it's been hard on you, but would you be open to further discussion here on RBN on this subject? Um, I'm happy. I'm happy to try and um, discuss and read through to the people that want to try to understand this phenomenon. And again, um, Clint is a very, very good example. There was someone who um, avidly avoided these shots, but got taken out and is now suffering. Right? He's got this long-term incapacitation. Right. Long hauler syndrome is an amyloidogenic process and disease. Yep. 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 I, yeah, and I am very appreciative of your time and I am completely open. We only have two minutes. Let's get Dave in New York real quick. Dave, what you got? 
Now, yes, yes, Kevin. Also, they did uh, cryo-electron microscopy to elucidate the full structure of SARS-CoV-2. They didn't use electron, uh, the electron microscope. I mean, they didn't use x-ray crystallography, okay, because they didn't isolate it in that way and make crystals. But uh, furthermore, you've got these sequences showing up all around the world, all these scientists showing SARS-CoV-2, and then all the variants creating a phylogenic tree. There's a lot of data there, and they, they came... It, you know, geographically in a very logical way, except for Omicron might have popped out of the wall, like Chris Martins had said. But um, this is very strong evidence to me that uh, that the stuff is real. We don't have ten thousands, tens of thousands of scientists just faking this out out in the public. Uh, if AI was in control of everything and we saw everything on the internet and robots were doing this, that would be different. Uh, what's your opinion on this? Does this SARS-CoV-2 really exist based on all your lab work and experience that you've done? Um, I'm, I, all science is is um, converging lines of evidence that allow you to favor one hypothesis over another. I agree with right. you that the sequencing is out there. We have 16 million full-length sequences derived from multiple geographical locations. Now, and an evolutionary tree. I mean, this is a big deal. Kevin, I recommended that you come on and explain to people about viruses and that they actually exist. So I appreciate that Ingrid brought you on. Um, I, there's no more time, I'm sure. Go ahead. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. And we also have Catherine in Maine. Like two minutes. Kevin, I just wanted to say thank you for keeping the peace and not being an a-hole. You've had some really rough, brutal, uh, I feel like rude callers in, and I'm ashamed. And I want to just apologize for that, and I don't care if they like it or not. It was disgusting to hear the attitude you were spoken to in, even if they had a good point or were correct. The disrespect that you were shown is abominable. And I feel like, honestly, I feel like they should have been cut off. Is it one that called you stupid? Seriously, this is ridiculous. It's shameful, and I think the hostess should reconsider cutting that off. This anger was off the charts tonight. You're very intelligent, and again, I don't know who's who in the zoo and everything, but I, I, I called someone and let them listen in, and they're very bright, and they found it to be quite riveting, and I was ashamed of the anger. We had to hang up because of these angry callers. I just want to yeah, apologize. Well, you didn't hear some of my non-family uh, friendly responses then towards the end. So for that, I, I apologize. But um, I've, I've listened to this garbage for four years. And um, the uh, you, you have to understand, you you either you either realize that these, that these apex predator, dark triad, psychopathic types, okay, want to, want to reduce populations at this point and they've done it in the most egalitarian way dominates the american opinion finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult with the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties as a listener of rbn no one understands this concept better than you Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. 
With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. You can't handle the truth! You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit RepublicBroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth. 